We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we are wrapping up our college football previews with the Big Ten East. Uh, We bring it home in the division that the Indiana Hoosiers uh, call home base as well. So, TJ, final six teams, how are we feeling? Certainly ready to discuss uh, the rest of the Big Ten East. It's a division that, as Indiana has improved, uh, a few teams in this division have also gotten better. Uh, certainly, though, I think that the the race for the East begins and ends in Columbus, but uh, there's some interesting programs here, some uh, historical giants that are kind of looking for answers, and then uh, a couple of schools that are uh, surging, or at least they hope that they're surging. Uh, so I think it's going to be a fun podcast to talk about uh, all teams that are on IU's schedule, uh, which we can't say about the West. Yep. Um, I guess the, the big thing about the East, can anybody challenge Ohio State in 2021? I think – this is the year a lot like 2015 where they had some um, I wouldn't say issues at quarterback, but they had some questions about who was the full-time starter and stuff like this. You replace a lot of talent off of a team that, uh, that went to the national championship game. Indiana gets them at home. Um, can anybody challenge Ohio state or is this, you know, runaway train, going to continue to run away with with the Big Ten East division. Yeah, so the operative word there is challenge. I think, yes, teams can challenge Ohio State. I don't see anyone ultimately beating them, uh, and I certainly don't see anyone being able to knock off Ohio State and run the table the rest of the way or beat Ohio State and only have one loss the rest of the way. Um, because I, I don't see Ohio State losing twice. So if you're going to knock them off and you want to win the East, you've got to get through the rest of the schedule as well. So um, definitely some question marks, though. I mean, C.J. Stroud looks like the likely starter uh, for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He's very talented, but, um, you know, very little experience. So, you know, he's, he's going to be starting out uh, at a – a lower point. I think it's fair to say he's not Justin Fields from a talent perspective. Uh, he is very good, though. Now, what he has going for them is a ridiculously good wide receiver core. Uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are a fantastic one-two duo. Uh, their tight ends are are very good. Jeremy Ruckert is, I mean, he's really talented. He's, he's 
doesn't produce quite as much as you might think just because Ohio State doesn't tend to throw to the tight end all that often. That might change with Jeremy Ruckert this year, uh, plus a, a young quarterback. Um, running back, I, I think Master Teague is very good, uh, but don't be surprised if you see some uh, Travion Henderson, who's a true freshman that uh, has a ton of talent, uh, five-star recruit coming in there. So I, I would not be shocked if, if Henderson saw the field some uh, and ended up taking away a lot of carries from Master Teague, who, again, very good running back. Um, offensive line, they bring back Thayer Munford, who's going to be starting for his fourth year at left tackle, which is very rare for a school like Ohio State. So that says a lot about his talent and uh, leadership abilities. Um, I think that they do have probably the biggest issue for this team uh, might be all the losses that they had on the defensive side of the ball. They have to replace all four of their top linebackers. Um, they, they're going to plug in guys that just by nature of how they approach that position, nobody that plays at linebacker this year for them is going to have much experience. They did to rotate a lot. They kept those top four guys in the game. Uh, so these guys that they're playing at linebacker now largely are just coming off special teams experience. Now, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be very talented, but that that's a concern for them. And it's been a concern for them for several years. Uh, you know, it was that linebacker group, I think a couple years ago, it, you know, it got torched and, they were all right last year. It was more the, the, you know, the secondary that had questions after Michael Penix threw for whatever, 495 yards uh, on them. Yeah, and I think but, it does again. I think, I think it does again. Yeah, so it's the defensive side of the ball has questions. You know, we'll see. Their schedule's favorable. They do get an early season matchup with Oregon, but I believe it's a noon game, which is a 9 a.m. body clock game for, for Oregon. Uh, and things like that. Yeah, but you, Oregon, you know, you Oregon was furious about that when oh, yeah. uh, the next announced. Yeah, and there were free, there was another Pac-12 game, but anyway, um, it's just uh, it's you could pencil Ohio State in into the Big Ten title game. Not saying that somebody's, you know, that nobody can knock them off, um, but if you're a betting man, uh, the odds-on favorite is Ohio State. Let's go down the rest of the list. Uh, a lot of folks have Indiana. Well, we'll talk a lot of Indiana, but a lot of folks have Indiana at second or third in the division, uh, right with Penn State. Let's head to State College and talk about yeah. the Nittany Lions. They lose Micah Parsons. They played without Micah Parsons last year. They started the season 0-5, uh, but finished on a four-game uh, winning streak. So it's... It's a big, I think it's a big year for Penn State in terms of importance. You have James Franklin, who has been rumored about going to USC and uh, some other places. And, and, you know, the fan base is, they waver on him a lot. They've won a lot of games. They won a Big Ten title. Um, they should have won a Rose Bowl. But a lot of the times, they're, they're games that are too close for comfort due to coaching, you know, um, they lost last year at IU a game they 
they shouldn't have lost. All they had to do was fall down, you know, basically take a knee, uh, and they win. And they win that game. Not saying that IU got lucky. They took advantage of, you know, Tom Allen let let them score, and it worked out. Um, but Penn State should have won that game. Um, all they needed to do was fall down, and they win. But there's been a lot of games like that. And they've had their shots at Ohio State and lost them. So, you know, to me, it's the attitude of the, the fan base uh, towards Coach Franklin and how, how is it going to turn into a toxic situation like it did at Michigan. You do have to go to, to Columbus. You get Auburn coming in. Um, if they don't beat Auburn at home and Auburn has a new head coach, it, it, I think things turn around. But for Penn State, their biggest question is Sean Clifford uh, of the offense is what does Penn state need to do to challenge Ohio state in the East? So the big question for Penn state fans is where are we at as a program? Are we the, obviously they're not an Owen five starting program that happened last year, but uh, I think that the existential question comes into place as, where are we in terms of the Big Ten power structure? How far away have we fallen from Ohio State, and can we close that gap? Um, are we the 0-5 side? Are we the 4-0 side as far as how they finished? I, I think that there's definite concerns in terms of the overall talent level on this roster. Um, there are parts of it which are incredibly good you have Jahan Dotson very good wide receiver uh, and Parker Washington is a very good number two wide receiver if you notice a theme here a lot of teams have some really good wide receivers which is why it is so great that Indiana has their secondary in order with Taiwan Mullen and Reese Taylor back they will be very busy uh, going against these talented wideouts but Noah Kane back from injury at running back Big question for me, Penn State loves their tight ends. Pat Fryermuth is gone. Do they have a difference maker at tight end because that offense really does need one? Question number two, Mike Yersich comes in from Texas to be the offensive coordinator. That's going to be another offensive coordinator for quarterback Sean Clifford. How much of a difference maker, you said it, how much of a difference maker is Sean Clifford? Is he good enough? to get Penn State to where they want to go. If he's not, they don't have anybody behind him with any kind of experience. They had a couple transfers out, including Will Levis transferring out, and then Micah Bowens, who they had high hopes for. He transferred to Oklahoma, which means he'll probably win a Heisman Trophy sometime down the line. Uh, that seems to be the way it goes for transfer quarterbacks to Oklahoma. Uh, on defense, they've already suffered a couple of season-ending injuries up front. It was a deep defensive line that has lost some of that depth. Uh, they lost some really good players. Jason Owe, Shaka Tony uh, are gone. I, it's going to be difficult to replace those guys. And then Micah Parsons, of course, uh, is, is in the NFL now as well. So I think that there's a lot of questions about whether or not Penn State has the ability to rise back up and challenge Ohio State again. I don't see it this year. However, uh, you know, their, their season win totals at nine. I think that's a fair number. 
and I would probably edge toward the low side of that and take the under. Uh, I think eight and four is the most likely scenario for Penn State. Yeah, and I think Will Levis just won the quarterback competition wherever he landed. Um, and he uh, was named the starter. Yeah. yeah, so he yeah down at Kentucky. So he'll uh, we'll see. Just like with uh, Joe Milton at Tennessee for Michigan, uh, you'll see. Yeah. Is this um, you know is it that they can't develop their quarterbacks or is it uh, you know something else? Is it you know it a talent issue, a uh, system issue, or things like that. I think it'll be very telling because if if Joe Milton goes out and does awesome at Tennessee and Will Levis does awesome at Kentucky, Michigan and Penn State fans are going to, you know, scratch their head and say, what are we, what are we doing? Uh, especially up in, in Ann Arbor where you have Jim Harbaugh is supposed to be a uh, the quarterback whisperer. But let's, uh, let's move really? up to – yeah, really quick, such an interesting start to their season. September 4th, they're at Wisconsin, so they play in Madison. I don't think either team or fan base really knows quite what to expect. Uh, both were disappointed with last season, both looking for a great start to the year there. Uh, and then Ball State, which, you know. Hey, they won the I MAC. They were a top 25 team last year. That's a tough one. That's a yeah. tough matchup. If you get beat up at, at Wisconsin, um, you play Ball State. Ball State's gonna—they're you know, not gonna be afraid of you, right? And then, and then you've got Auburn. So a very interesting start, which could present a springboard to a great season, or you could go like one and two, or I guess theoretically it's possible to go zero oh and three, and the bottom totally falls out. But you know, I think going one and two is a realistic scenario. Uh, that, that would have people really scratching their heads. Um, and then, by the way, after that, it's Villanova, so a little bit of a get-right game, and then the Hoosiers come to town. So it's going to be very interesting to see where Penn State sits in terms of their mental uh, kind of mental frame of mind, where they're at when IU plays them on October 2nd. Yeah, and, and IU's been living rent-free in, in Penn State's fans' mind for a year. Uh Every social media post is Michael Penix is short. It's um, look, if Penn State gets right, that's going to be a big revenge game for them. And Indiana's yeah. got to be ready. But it's also, are you really going to flush your season down the toilet again um, because of a, a call that was super duper close, went against you one time in the history of like football for? went for Indiana. So we'll see. Let's head up to Ann Arbor. Um, another team that is going to be an interesting watch this year. They have a long losing streak to Ohio State. Uh, I think it, it's now almost it would be 10 years. Well, they didn't play last year, but it, it will be I think nine games of 10 years. Uh, Michigan's last win was in, in 2011. Uh, the transition year between uh, Urban Meyer and and uh, Jim Tressel uh, down in Columbus, but you know they they start off their schedule is kind of softer. You do have a game against Washington, uh, who comes in a, a, as a top twenty team, but 
Uh, it looks like Cade McNamara is going to be the starting quarterback. He had some running back transfers to leave the program. Um, you know, new defensive coordinator. You have issues on offense, um, you know, and things like that. TJ, I remember uh, you saying a, a couple years ago when they brought that uh, Josh Gaddis in uh, as the new offensive coordinator and everybody praised it, you kind of poo-pooed it. And it, you know, you kind of, kind of, kind of right and correct and predicted that. So it's a big year for for Michigan. They, they everybody knows about the the Harbaugh buyout. Um, they do get Northwestern at home from the West. They also get. Um, they do have to go to Wisconsin and to Nebraska, uh, and yeah. we'll see where Nebraska is on October night. But Wisconsin's a tough game. Wisconsin uh, basically stole their lunch. Uh, last year, they opened up with Western Michigan and NIU. So it's a you should start the year two and one. Then you get Rutgers um, and then back-to-back road trips, Wisconsin, Nebraska, open week, Northwestern at home, uh, at Michigan State, Indiana, at Penn State, at Maryland, and Ohio State. This better be a fast start for Michigan or it's going to get sour real quick, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, I, I Michigan's biggest problem has been their inability to solve the quarterback question under Jim Harbaugh, which is uh, surprising. Um, I, I don't think anybody would have expected that, you know, this many years in, uh, that that they would not have found a quality quarterback. I think they have found the guys that have been there, but it has not worked whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> they have to figure that out first and foremost. If they don't, nothing else that happens is going to matter. They're going to continue to struggle. So Cade McNamara, next up. He looked all right in the time he saw last year. I wouldn't say he was amazing, but he looked all right. Uh, so we'll see kind of where that goes. Running back, I don't think they have uh, – I think Blake Corum is probably going to be the starter there initially. Uh, watch out for Donovan Edwards, who's a you know big-time recruit that they got from Michigan uh, from the state. Um, he's going to play pretty early. They've got a couple of players on offense that I do think you know get kind of lost in the, the shuffle that has been the mess for them. Ronnie Bell is a really good wide receiver. Um, he's, he is. he's very tough to cover. Uh, and I don't think he gets any credit because oftentimes people are just focused on why is Michigan a mess? Um, Ronnie Bell has been a bright spot for them and should continue to be, I don't think their offensive line has been very good the past couple of years. They need to improve that. Um, up front, they lost some, some players to transfer. They lost some players to the NFL draft like Quiddy Pay. Obviously, the big storyline is Don Brown is out, and they've replaced him with a new defensive coordinator. Um, they're switching to a different system. I would expect to see less reliance on um, all-out blitzing and then man-to-man coverage and hoping that your corners can stand up. They haven't had the talent to play that type of system for quite a while, and they just didn't adjust. And when they did try to adjust, they still got picked apart. So 
I think bottom line, <clears throat> Michigan's talent level is not that good right now. They're recruiting fairly well, and their most recent class was better than I thought it was going to be. But those guys, it's not an Alabama or Ohio State recruiting class. They're not going to be ready to contribute right away. So I, I think Michigan is going to continue to have some issues. Um, I would, I'm not sure exactly where, I haven't made up my mind on where I've got them in the pecking order. Um, but I, I like them beating Western Michigan. I think they lose to Washington. Uh, which is going to have them uh, probably needing to take care of somebody else that you wouldn't expect them to beat. Um, but I, I think that eight wins is an expectation with this schedule, and that's not even being like a, uh, putting myself in the, the head of a Michigan fan. Uh, anything not above that, I, I just wonder – how much longer you continue to tr to hope that Harbaugh is going to figure it out? I don't think at, you at do. Point, I think I think if, if they finish, yeah, I think if they finish below Indiana and Penn State, <laughs> if they finish fourth or worse, I think he's done. It, it's just there's no that, way that, forward. That include, right, that would include another loss to Ohio home, State. Yep. I mean. Probably a you home know. loss to IU, a loss to Penn State. I mean, this is a team that hasn't lost at home to IU since the 1960s. That fan base is – they're going to turn really quick again. Uh, and now they have the financial leverage to to get rid of him. Um, so – You've already tried switching coordinators. Like that yeah. – that's kind of the last straw is, okay, we've switched everything else. Everything else has been switched. And we're still yep. not winning. Yep. At, at the level we want to. So yeah. the only answer, the only thing left to try is a new head coach. Yep. Uh, let's move. Uh, stay in the Mitten State. Let's head to Michigan State. They're coming off a season, uh, you know, which is a it's a weird weird season. Mel Tucker came in, I think in March. Uh, didn't have a full. Didn't have any spring practice. Didn't have a recruiting class. Uh, things like that. I think they have 30 plus transfers coming in. They too have to figure out their quarterback. They get a tough test um, opening night at Northwestern at nine o'clock on ESPN on that, on that uh, Friday night. Um, they get a get right game against Youngstown state. Then they have to go down to hard rock stadium in Miami to play the hurricanes. Then you get Nebraska at home Um Western Kentucky at home at Rutgers at Indiana Rutgers knocked them off last year. Uh, then you get Michigan at home at Purdue, Maryland at Ohio state, Penn state. They should be better than last year, but does Michigan state get to a, get to a bowl game? I think they're still a, a year or two off from there. You know, speaking of, teams that have struggled to solve the quarterback position, uh, Michigan State's offense has been just awful at that position for the past few years. I, uh, there's no way that Anthony Russo, their transfer from Temple, uh, is not an improvement 
over what we've seen the past couple seasons in East Lansing. Now, Russo had a lot of turnover problems with the Owls, and it's a big step up from Temple to the Big Ten East. Um, but, but I do think that that is something that, that should offer at least some reason for optimism uh, is an improvement, albeit maybe somewhat slight, uh, in the quarterback position. Uh, Michigan State has to get back to being able to run the ball they haven't been able to do that for a while. They did add some running back transfers as well. They were very active in the transfer portal. Um, their offense just needs to improve across the board. Um, there's no reason to focus on just one area, but they need to improve across the board there. Uh, on defense, I think that they'll, they'll probably take a little bit of a step back from what they were last year. Uh, Antoine Simmons left for the NFL. Uh, they also lost Naquan Jones. So kind of their their anchors on defense are gone. The overall talent level is probably better because Mel Tucker is recruiting pretty well, especially compared to what Mark D'Antonio did it, it toward the end of his tenure. Uh, so I think the overall roster is probably more talented, but it's still very young. Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to to gel uh, and grow, especially all the transfers that they brought in. So I, I, I don't think that this is a year Michigan State's going to take a huge leap forward, um, but I would expect some more competent offensive play uh, for the Spartans and, and maybe be able to, to challenge a couple of teams. You know, you're looking at the top, in my opinion, you're looking at the top four in the East, which includes Indiana, Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. Ohio State's in Tier 1 by themselves. Indiana, Penn State, Michigan are in Tier 2. To be determined how they kind of shuffle out, and one of them could drop down if they are disappointing. And then you're looking at Rutgers, Michigan State, and Maryland. Uh, fighting right behind those. I don't think there are any bad teams in the in the Big Ten East, but I do think it's possible uh, that Michigan State is the the lowest Big Ten East team by the time we get through to the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, let's go final two teams, TJ, real quickly. We have Maryland uh, and Rutgers. Maryland, they keep recruiting well but it doesn't show yep. up on, on the field. Uh, I think that's an indictment of the coaching staff of Mike Loxley. If you look at his coaching record, it is absolutely abysmal compared to, I mean, it's abysmal anyway, if it's compared to anybody, you know, but us. Um, but hey, zero, zero is better than what he has. Um, but in comparison yeah. to his recruiting record, it, it right. is a shock that Maryland can't get to a bowl game in the Big Ten. Yep, yep. And it, it's a shock that, that he continues to recruit as well as he does. I don't know what, what he's selling to recruits at this point, uh, but it, it continues to work, uh, at least getting guys to campus anyway. Um, the good news for them, Talia Tagovailoa is back at quarterback. Uh, he's, he's better than I thought he was going to be. That's, that's for sure. I'll give him credit. Um, he continues to, to play pretty well when he's on the field. Uh, they don't really have anything behind him. 
uh, in terms of depth. But um, I, I think the biggest surprise to me, though, they're great at wide receiver. They've got some real weapons there, some real athletes. They've got a ton of speed. Uh, they look like a really good team when you line them up and look at the skill positions. But at running back, I don't see a difference maker, which is bizarre because that was kind of the one thing that Randy Edsel seemed to always have was a difference making running back. Um, they don't have that. I mean, Teon Fleet Davis is probably the guy that's going to get the first shot. Uh, but, you know, they don't really have that standout running back, which I think is um, a surprise. They're going to rely heavily on kind of multiple looks, a lot of shifting on offense and throw deep to those wide receivers and, and give them a chance. Probably a lot of four wide sets, get your most talented players on the field, try and spread out the defense and hope that your their receivers can beat your corners consistently. Um, I think that there's a lot of questions though for this team in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line just hasn't been good enough under Mike Loxley. Uh, I don't see that changing this season either. I think this is a team that you can physically out-muscle uh, and, and kind of beat into submission. Yeah, and it's I, he probably gets a couple more years just based on, you know, he was Maryland's top – again, it's another – he's been the guy there, and the players wanted him, the alumni wanted him. Um it just it hasn't worked out. Uh, yeah, I think they beat Texas a couple of times. Like they just haven't taken that next step. And right. I don't think they're a good fit in the big. Their fan base just doesn't care about being in the Big Ten. They want to play Duke. They want to play North Carolina. They want to play, you know, Virginia and Virginia Tech, and those local teams that they've had rivalries with for a hundred years. Um, so it's another like reshuffling that just hadn't worked out. Um, but let's get to, to the other newest addition of the Big Ten in Rutgers uh, with Greg Schiano. They took a huge step forward last year. They won three games. I think they went winless in the Big Ten the last two, or maybe they, they've won one or two games combined uh, the last two years. But, you know, they, they knock off Michigan State in the opener. They beat Purdue. Um, and it's the energy around the Rutgers football program is cycling back to where they were, you know, between 2006, and I think 2011, uh, when Shiano left. And there is a ton of talent in New Jersey. Um, this team plays super hard. Uh, they're starting to recruit really, really well. Um, you know, is this the year that, that Rutgers t go, goes back to a bowl game. They had a nice run there uh, in Shiano's and, and Kyle Flood's early years uh, at Rutgers. Um, or are they still a year off from, from taking that next step? Yeah, I, I don't think it's quite there yet. However, uh, their draw out of the West, they, they do get Northwestern and Illinois. Those are both on the road, but still, those you have a chance to win those games, uh, especially with some of the injuries Northwestern has right now uh, that have been announced recently. So you've got a chance to get those. Uh, 
and then you get Wisconsin at home, which, you know, that's not a good draw, but you've got to play somebody good. Um, I, I, you know, you've got a home game against Maryland. You have a home game against Michigan State. Uh, your non-conference schedule should be three wins, Temple, Syracuse, Delaware. So there's going to be opportunity there. I don't think they get to six, uh, but I do think that they can get to four or five and continue that progression. Uh, Shiano's building Rutgers, as was expected uh, when he got that job. That was a hire that made perfect sense, and I think uh, it's going to pay off. I don't think it pays off quite yet with the bowl game, but I think that is coming. Noah Vedral, solid quarterback for them, but I don't think that they have too many guys on the offensive side of the ball that are going to scare Big Ten defensive coordinators. They don't have that top-end talent that nearly every other team in the East has. Um, I would not put their skill position talent over anybody in the Big Ten East except for Michigan State, uh, and that would be a, a bit of a toss-up. On defense, you're right. They play really hard. They get back Ola Kunle Fadukasi. He was the Big Ten leading tackler last year, um, one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten. They also get back Tyshawn Fogg uh, and a couple of other guys as well. I, I think that the secondary is a bit of a concern, and I think the defensive line, uh, really the trenches of the whole, both lines, are not physically there yet uh, to, to compete in the Big Ten East at a real high level. Uh, but I do think it's very realistic to expect them to knock off a couple of people uh, that you wouldn't expect to. Possibly, uh, you know, the Michigan State game at home, Northwestern on the road, Illinois on the road. Um, I think it's possible that they could go to Michigan and scare Michigan. They played them very tough last season. Um, in Maryland at home, you, know, you look at their away games, so Indiana probably not going to be a win for them. Uh, unless IU's got some injury problems, you know, it's November 13th, so you never know. Uh, away at Penn State, away at Michigan, Ohio State at home. Those ones are probably ones that they're just not ready to get yet. But make no mistake, this is a program that's on the rise. If I'm looking at Michigan State, Rutgers, and Maryland, and forecasting out for the next three years, which one of those I think is going to have the most Big Ten wins, I'm taking Rutgers. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they're in the best um, trajectory. And, you know, it's good for their fan base. They have a loyal fan base who's, you know, it's small, but they're they're there week in and week out, no matter, uh, you know, how, how good or bad the team is playing. So, anyway, that does it for our uh, college football previews. Uh, TJ, the season's right around the corner. Any final thoughts before we get into game week preparations? No, I am ready to start talking IU. Uh, we'll dial in on them next week and then start uh, turning our attention toward the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's going to be here very, very soon, and I am fired up. Me too. We're all fired up. Uh, keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. We have our position previews coming out, uh, practice reports, uh, notes and quotes from press conferences, all that coming up and more, as well as the final uh, – you know, we're down to the, the final 15, 16 days of our uh, countdown to kickoff. And 
We'll be back with more great content. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, Give us a like on Facebook as well. Thank you, TJ, for joining me and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. All right, that does it for tonight's podcast. We'll be back next week to talk, uh, do our uh, preview of the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, So tune in. We'll go over every position, uh, new players, most important players coming back, uh, things like that. So hopefully uh, you'll join us and we'll be back next week. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.